Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event. Fight fans worldwide, you've tuned into the number one undisputed boxing podcast today. This is the Boxing Breakdown. What's some of those kind of stuff? Well, my next little uh, very great Mr. Leslie Mozart, the guy with the show. You know, he was a tremendous fighter in the in the forties, but he had like his uncle called it the Tatarat, and back then that was a death sentence for the career. But he had beaten Montgomery in two rounds in a non-title bout here in Philadelphia. He was the reigning lightweight champion of the world. Fight fans, join host Mark Roxy and special guests as they break down all aspects of the boxing world, including news, business, management, training, promotions, fan reactions. Upcoming events, matchups, future boxing stars, title fights, state of the boxing world, and all the stuff you don't see when you watch boxing. This podcast is released each week on Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Live streamed on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook Live. It's the Boxing Breakdown, hosted by Mark Roxy. What's up, what's up, what's up, and welcome to another edition of the Boxing Breakdown. I am your host, Mark Roxy, and I'm here with my partner in crime, Mr. Harold Hunt. What's up, what's up, what's up, Harold? What's up, man? How you doing? How you doing? I'm doing good, brother. I'm doing good, and how are you today? Hey, I'm ready to talk, man. Got a lot of good stuff that happened this past weekend. We got some hashing up, hashing out to do, rather. Yeah, you got that right. I mean, there's so much to talk about, folks. So today we are going to cover uh, the Richard Hitchinson versus uh, Jose Sapera uh, fight that just happened this past weekend. And then we're going to get into the Jessica McCatskill versus Sandy Ryan fight. Mm. We'll also talk about the Canelo and Charlo fight. And Harold, I do want to close out the broadcast by just shouting out the Atlantic City Boxing Hall of Fame induction weekend is coming up. And I'm super excited about that weekend. And we'll talk a little bit about that later on in the program. But let's get started, Harold. Talk to me, man. Talk to me about this uh, Richard uh, Hitchinson fight versus uh, Jose Zapata. Well, uh, that was a great fight. Um, Hitchison uh, is to be the next uh, in line with Shakur and all the other fighters at that weight class at 135 and be a, a really powerful player. Initially, he was signed by uh, Floyd, and Floyd gave him some work, but he just moved on. It wasn't a negative parting. It right. was just uh, they decided to, to go their separate ways and still uh, – uh, be friendly in in the business area. Yeah. Uh, during the fight, uh, one of the trainers was on the phone, constantly doing the phone while he was in the corner, uh, you know, between rounds. And it was rumored to be that was Floyd on the phone uh, uh, talking uh, to the trainer, giving instructions via phone to uh, Hitchinson, uh, who exhibited so much of Floyd's style and movement and what have you. So it, it, it Begs different. It could be Floyd, but it was it was nice to think about. It. it was Floyd, but as far as his performance is concerned, he was very smart and very wise. He went through a lot of things, and we'll t- discuss those later. But I was impressed with him. 
Yeah, man. I mean, a lot of folks out there um, that are tuning into the broadcast, you may not really know too much about Richard Hitchinson because he's not a mainstream fighter at this moment. But certainly uh, after the performance against Cepeda this past weekend, you know, you could expect to see a lot more of him. And I think he may be uh, entering into a lot of conversations with, uh, you know, uh, You'll be hearing his name in conversations for sure, man. Like, I, I just, this guy was born in 1997. Richard Hitcherson was born in 1997. He's out of Brooklyn, New York. Um, yeah, he's, his divisions are light heavyweight. Uh, I'm sorry, light welterweight and welterweight. And um, he's just about 5'10". And he's, I don't know how many fights he's got at this point. I think it's somewhere around 17. Let me, let me see how many fights this guy's got. Um, but yeah. wait, go ahead. His forte is, as you just said, Mark, uh, he's really sharp and, and he really knows how to move around the ring well and yeah. he keeps that jab going and, you know, he's got good foot movement. He doesn't get hit. Uh, he yeah. really did really well. Now his opponent was a world-class opponent of some note. Uh, I believe he's fought for the title twice and lost both times. And yeah. he was durable and smart and intelligent, and someone that you really have to be aware of when you're fighting him. Now, I got to give Richardson Hitchison his credit, because at the end of the fight, uh, the commentator said, well, you could have took him out. He said, look, I know he's a powerful puncher. I know that he's experienced. I'm not going to put myself in a situation where I could possibly, you know, get compromised because of my overing, being overly aggressive, you know, as because I had the fight going my way. Now that yeah. maturity was was pretty was great because a lot of fighters will say, "Look, I'm just dogging this guy. I'm dragging him. I'm just gonna go in and, and just stay in the pocket with him, take him out." But yeah. he understood that his opponent is a world class fighter, and anytime he could get buzzed, so he was cautious and he got through the fight and he won the fight. He even said himself it wasn't an exciting fight to a point, but he had to be cautious and smart and wise and get through that. And then next time, you know, he could uh, kind of step out. A little more, but this time it was wise. Uh, yeah, what he did. Yeah, man. I mean, look, uh, Jose Zapeta's no joke, man. Jose Zapeta's thirty-seven and three. All right, he's Jose Zapeta's been in with some great, great fighters. I mean, yeah. You go down the list of the people that Zapeta has fought. You know, you've got you know. Well, first of all, he's a southpaw, so that's number one. That's like the fact that uh, Hitchison did what he did. He made you know, Cepeda not look like the, you know, the world-class fighters that he actually is. I mean, Cepeda has been in there with Richard, uh, Regis Progress. He's been yeah. in there with, uh, Josua Fargus, um, Ivan Baranchik. He's been in, oh, he's been in with Hank Lundy, the veteran Hank Lundy. Um, yeah, I'm looking at the list of all the fighters that he's been in. Jose Pedraza, um, Pro Gray's being excellent, excellent. Jose Ramirez, he's been in with everybody. And so when you when you really look at Jose Zapeta's resume and you stack it up against what was done the other night, what you realize is that, you know, Richard Hitchison really uh, did a, a, a great performance and his, his um, instincts were right because... You don't want to get in there and mix it up with a with a banger like Jose Zepeda uh, because you know he will take you out and and Zepeda was uh, cut 
Um, he had blood swimming in his eye the whole fight. Um, it wasn't an easy way to fight uh, in the way that Jose Sapera chose to, to fight uh, Hitchison. So that made it pretty much you know, tailor-made for Hitchison to, to do what he does best, which is pick you off on the way in. And, you know, I think uh, it was it was really a great performance by Richard Hitchison. And certainly I stood up and, you know, I took second notice. I'm like, hey, this guy looks much, much better than the last. He was, he was in a fight against um, John Bowser. I don't know if you saw that fight. Yes, I did. Yeah, the fight with John Bowser, I mean, he looks exceptional in that. But I still had questions about, you know, what happens when he fights a higher level opponent. And sure enough, they did exactly that. They put in a higher level opponent. And he did yes. great. Someone who could actually take him out. <laughs> that could hit him and cause him uh, problems. <laughs> to, 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 you know, he could get hit to the point where he had to cover up and had to get away. He couldn't be that aggressive person that he usually is and be yeah. able to stay in the pocket and avoid. He, if he would have got hit, we would have saw, uh, you know, his his how he reacted. But yeah. he was wise enough not to be hit, not to be hit enough to cause him any problems. So yeah. he did really well. So I think he'll be more aggressive his next fight, being he got by this veteran as you described. Yeah, I mean, what do you think? What, how do you see? Like, let's talk about uh, Hitchinson. What do you see next for him? Like, where do you think he's going to go, Harold? Well, the only thing I don't see right now is I don't see any power. He he has to keep people off of him. You yeah. have to have the power to keep you yeah, yeah. off. Now, Floyd never had heavy power, but he hit you enough. You stayed off of him because the first time he hit you, you say okay. Hit you again, you say well, this could hurt later. Yeah. So you stay off of him. Uh, Shakur Stevenson can keep you off. A lot of people can keep you off, but he uh, hasn't shown me that he can keep you off as right. of yet. Where you're coming in and you're on your game, you got a good chin, and all of a sudden you're stunning. Not saying you're a stanky leg and you're stopping or whatever, but it stops you from being aggressive. I haven't seen that kind of power from him yet. His placement is great. It can shock you to, to slow you down, to stop you, because it comes right. from nowhere and it's clean, but doesn't shake you. And that's why I haven't seen him as of yet. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I agree with that. I mean, I, I think, I think we got, we got something special here. I mean, he's only got 17 fights. Um, not, I shouldn't say he only has 17 fights. He has 17 good quality belts under his belt. Uh, they're moving him very smartly and they're putting him in positions where he gets to really excel in his performances. And, you know, the, Saturday night, man, he he did a great job. I think it's upward and onward for uh, Richard Hitchison. And, you know, I think there's lots more fighting for Jose Savera as well. I don't think it's the end of Jose Savera. I think he just had a really bad night. Hey, and, did you see a little drama going on in this corner right there? Tell, uh, tell. Uh, the trainers and the other people were saying, hey, just go ahead and go, go to him. Go to him. Take him. Take him. He was like, no. I'm not doing that. I'm going to stay wise and smart. So they were fussing back and forth. The water wasn't there. This wasn't there. That wasn't there because they were so enamored with talking with each other saying, go get them. And he said, no, I'm not going to go get them. And they were forgetting the water and the wow. mouthpiece and all that because they wanted to be sure he understood what they wanted him to do. But he was his own man. He went ahead and, and he was in there fighting. He knew that, you know, 
uh, the, the, the peril he was in, and yeah. he stuck to it and did not follow his uh, trainer's uh, advice at that time. I know in the future he will, but the trainer's not in there feeling that punch, knowing that it could rock rock me, even though you don't think so. Uh, obviously, the young gentleman felt that way, and he stuck to his guns, and he's victorious, and he has a lot of credence and respect for his his, his wherewithal in that situation uh, uh, besides what his trainer was trying to tell him. Well, listen, Harold, I mean, he's done his research. You know, this is a guy who who's, you know, made it as far as he's made it on his skills and the development of his skills. And, you know, whatever trainers or whatever, you know, people have been responsible for that are, is yet to be determined. We'll, we'll hear more about those trainers as he excels, as he grows and develops. They'll also be spotlighting the trainers. But a lot of times you never you never really hear about the trainer until he's, you know, <laughs> at world-class level and he's fighting for a world championship. And, you know, these are the kinds of growth growth uh, fights for the, for the team and for the corner that they have to have in order to learn how to work together. And, you know, it doesn't get easier. As you get higher, as your skill sets get, you know, better and you face tougher opposition and you go up in, in, in style um, matchups, everybody's good. Everybody's good. Everybody can fight. And what's going to make the difference in a world championship fight, winning a world championship fight, unfortunately for Richard Hitchison, is the corner. So he's really going to need to to figure that out. I don't know what happened. I, I did hear all the, all the scuttlebutt in the corner, and I thought it was unusual. And I heard some of the commentators actually mentioning that on the broadcast. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, they will need to work that out because it's not, you know, it's not it doesn't work for them to go up and that and to have that kind of turmoil in the corner because it only gets tougher. <laughs> they were they were excited. They yeah. they saw him taking out a, a huge veteran with a lot of cachet. Yeah. And they wanted him to get that because they knew that it would translate into so many different things. And as yeah. far as they was concerned, he had him. He had him. Yeah. Get him. Get him. Get him. But yeah. as we said earlier, that was not the case from that fighter's mind. Yeah, man. So listen, Harold, let's jump on over to uh, Jessica McCaskill and Sandy Ryan. That was a great fight. Yes, yes, it was. Uh, a friend of mine judged uh, uh, that I work with constantly, all the time. He judged. He judged. I'm not going to name his name, but yeah. he was one of the judges, and uh, I work. I've been working with him for years, and we just did a fight maybe a couple months ago. But right. I thought that uh, McCaskill uh, really had to bear down and really fight because uh, Miss Ryan was on her. I mean, she was well-schooled, she was strong, she didn't get tired, she was really uh, uh, doing uh, good work. You know, I mean, yeah. that, that, that fight was hard to call. I'm not going to, you know, weigh in on it at all, but I thought it was entertaining. I thought they both stood in the pocket constantly. <laughs> they Two-minute rounds are exciting to judge. You know, it's a lot. When you judge two-minute rounds, you just you, you don't have opportunity to have that third minute to really solidify who is coming out, you know, at the end of the round because you only right. got two minutes, you know. And I like judging two-minute rounds. They're not bad, you know, but you really got to be on your on your A game 
although I am all the time, but it is more intensified with a two round with a two minute fight, a yeah. two minute round. But they put on a great show. They stood in the pocket together. Uh, they were amicable when it was over. And even though it was a draw, there wasn't much uh, up, uh, uproar or uh, uh, upset or anything like that. And we got a great fight. If they do a rematch, it's going to be a good fight. So yeah. I think McCaskill will have to kind of uh, bear down a little board next time to kind of be sure that she got the decision. Uh, same with uh, uh, Miss Ryan. Yeah, no, um, you know, it was a controversial fight. Um, I do believe that, um, you know, from what I observed, uh, McCaskill was on the B side, <laughs> at least as far as the crowd was concerned. She was not the favorite fighter in the crowd. So I, I definitely got that from the audience. They were booing her as, as the fight was over and she got a chance to speak uh, live uh, to the audience and to the world. Uh, and you could hear the boos in the background. Um, I thought it was a very close fight. Um, I definitely didn't see the 95-95. I, I thought it was, you know, more like, you know, 96-94 for Ryan. Um, but I could see how they could swing. There were a couple of swing bouts that were or swing uh, rounds that could have gone either way. And I think what's what's interesting about this fight is that McCaskill it was not her best performance. She definitely was in with a tougher fighter than she normally fights. And I don't think she prepared um, properly for the fight. And what I mean by that is I think that the, the sharpshooting, direct, straight-line punches that were coming at her um, were landing and getting there faster than she was able to get her shots off. And they, they were wide. They were looping shots. Uh, even her jab, she was completely, you know, her head was in the air. They, it was kind of a sloppy performance, although her style is a little rough and tumble. Um, you know, understanding that, you kind of looked at the fight as a little bit unusually more sloppy than she would, you know, normally present herself. Yes. And um, I, I just felt that her punches couldn't get to the faster, straighter, longer Ryan. Ryan had the advantage on the jab. Uh, she was able to land that jab long and straight from outside. And, you know, McCaskill was having a hard time getting close enough to do her work. And um, so she was trying to pull those shots longer and wider so she wasn't in range to get hit. And I think that that was the story of the fight. Um, and I just think that Ryan, you know, she believed on that night, she really believed that she was going to win that fight. And I don't think McCaskill really had that fire that she's known for that night. Um, and I do think that she's going to really, you know, that's going to resonate with her. And I think you'll see her come out better and stronger in her next fight because of that uh, that draw. That, that draw. Okay, now she is, uh, you know, a little older, okay? But when she got into kind of a desperate mode, Mark, her head was straight up, right on the line, chin yeah. in the air. I was yeah. like, girl, you've been fighting too long to be in a situation where you're swinging for the fences and your technique is lacking and you got your chin up in the air, 
your head straight on the line, and you yeah. and, and, and you're exchanging bombs with this with this person. So yeah. as you said, maybe she didn't take the training. I mean, maybe she didn't uh, you know apply everything she needs to apply in training because yeah. she looked. She at, at times it was uh, you know her skill set was not on point. It was right. You know, Chin up in the air, head on the line, yeah, in the pocket, just just uh, trying to land. Yeah, I mean, I, w- I was really, I mean, if you're in, if you're in the McCaskill camp, you're really happy that you get a draw. You know, you kind of wipe your forehead and go, "Woo, uh, we got a draw." I mean, it could be, it could have been worse. We could have gotten a loss, but it was not a loss. It was a draw. So I, I like to say, consider yourself lucky that you got a draw. <laughs> Uh, you got to draw against a great opponent, and you can probably. I mean, I really do think if they if they do that back, if they run that back, I can see McCaskill winning that fight um, if she comes with the necessary adjustments to fight Ryan, because um, you know Ryan is sitting in the pocket in, in places that she really shouldn't be. But you got to be a little faster and a little sharper to take advantage of that. And also, I think you can go much more to the body on Ryan, and that will not be a good look for Ryan. If you if you if you hit her cleanly to the body a little bit more, do a little bit more work down there, put a little work down in the bread basket. I think it's gonna uh, pay dividends for sure. You know, yeah. Uh, what does uh, the other guy say? Uh, water in the basement. Um, Teddy yeah. Atlas. That's his thing. Oh, yeah. Put a little water in the basement. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly right. You, you you fill up the basement with a lot of water, and uh, you will be flooded. It will, it will be not a pretty pretty sight for sure. And uh, yeah, man. I mean, but hey, listen. If you're tuning in right now and you're watching us on uh, YouTube, thank you for being with us. And if you are going to listen to this broadcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, thank you so much. Uh, for tuning yes, in, thank you. Thank please you. don't forget to leave us a review. Hit a, give, give us a five star. We'd love those five stars. And don't forget to hit the like, subscribe, and notifications there in uh, the YouTube app. We love that. And if you're tuning on Facebook, you know, please leave your comments in there and, and join in on the chat right now. You can jump into the chat room right now with us. Do it. 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 Let's go. And thank you, Facebook, for hosting us. We appreciate that. Awesome. So, yeah, man, let's let's take a little uh, right turn here at the cul-de-sac. It'll loop us back around to this conversation about Canelo Alvarez and and uh, uh, Jamel Charlo because that fight's happening. Well, and before we do that, I, I gotta derail you. We yeah, gotta talk derail. about just derail, quickly. Brother. Just quickly, we have to talk about uh, Big Bang Zane and his fight, the heavyweight. Okay, let's go. Give me just quickly, just down. quickly, just quickly, just quickly. As as we know, uh, Big Bang Zane fought this weekend. Who did he fight, Mark? He fought. Tell me, tell us. We're all waiting. A big Englishman. You don't remember? Well, not that you don't remember, but uh, uh, before I mention his name, I want to go with what happened. Uh, as as you know, he was able to win uh, before, and just for posterity, it was Joe Joyce. Uh, he fought Joyce. 
previously and he won, uh, he really mad, uh, messed up his eye. He had right. a second fight just this, this time and he took him out. Now, just quickly as to say what it was, this gentleman knew that he could beat him, uh, just physically beat him down. But he didn't realize that to the end of the first fight. So his mentality came out right away and he took him out in the round three. But right. it was beautiful, Mark. Mark, you're a trainer, as of course you are. So you know that uh, George was looking for that right hand to come down the pike because it was dogging him out all night. Yeah. But guess what? Trying to get away from that right hand all night, he got caught with that left hook coming back across and took him out face first over. And when big men fall like that, yeah. face first, the average weight between them two was over 500 pounds. It was almost 600 pounds between them boys. So right. all I'm saying is it was a perfect knockout punch. It was beautiful. So when you guys go back and look at that, I don't want to take away from the Charlo and Canelo situation, but please, you must see that knockout. You must see that man looking out for that right hand, looking out for it, looking out for it, looking to stay away from it. But as he moved to get away from it, he ran right into a perfect left hook and took him out. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. Yeah, you know, I didn't get a chance to see that fight, but I'm sure. Oh, so that's why you didn't that's throw why it up there. No, I didn't know what oh. you were talking about. Who are you talking about? Because I didn't get a chance to see the fight, and oh. um, I have to watch it. It's in my, my game. Bad, my watch, bad, my bad. Though, but I, I didn't get a chance to see that one. I'm sorry, listeners. I, I can't watch every fight all <laughs> the time. It's just not possible. I know you think I can, but I can't. And uh, so I didn't get a chance to see that one. Well, for our viewers, I wanted them to know that, that, that you know, one of us did see it and you saw the first fight. And yeah. as I describe it as a trainer, you know how the progression is. Once you know about uh, how you can dominate your fire the first time, the rematch is always a little different. And, you know, you've instructed fighters on how to handle a rematch uh, with the information that was gathered from the first fight. So, I, I was, you know, I'm sure that, you know, you understand the progression. And, and, and you can help our, our viewers understand that progression from the first fight to the second. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. You know, I mean, we'll, we'll come back and we'll cover that after I've had a chance to, to fully watch the fight. And, uh, you know, we'll figure it out. But uh, in the meantime... Canelo, 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 yes. Yeah, man, listen, we've been waiting for this fight. I mean, I'm excited about the fight. I think it's, I think it's um, proving to be a really, really interesting fight. Uh, it's coming up. The fight's coming up. So um, are you ready for it? Yes. Uh, I, I looked for to see Charlo, how he has been vulnerable, how when he gets hit. Now, he hasn't hit by anybody of that caliber before, but he has been hit. And I haven't seen him waver. I haven't seen him necessarily uh, blink where, you know, I've been hurt or anything like that. I've seen him take punches and he's still focused on whatever. And he's looking to defend. But I haven't really... Excuse me. I haven't seen him like push back and and, and right. off kilter and and stutter stepping and and uh, in any of that. So uh, it appears he has a chin. Now, of course, he's in there sparring with some heavy guys. You know, his his brother uh, 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 Spence and right. a, a lot of other people who can really really pop. So from what I can tell, he has a chin, which may give him uh, some uh, not advantage, but. It, it, it would be a, a something in this arsenal that he has that he can take that kind of punch possibly for, a, a, you know, a few times, you know, because Canelo is a knockout puncher. Once yeah. he, once he buzz you, you know, you're, 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 you're gone. So we have to see how that works. But 
I've been watching all the, the stuff on the television, the uh, the the, the 24-7s or whatever they call it. On those. Yeah. I've been watching those. And, and um, I mean, we got, you know, uh, leave it to Beaver, Daddy. You know, that's what all of a sudden Charlo is this, 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 <laughs> Uh, Huxtable or 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 you know uh, from the happy days of he's he's just this perfect kind of guy with the with the kids and the and the mother and the fall I mean you know all of that he's really focused on this fight and right. I'm really you know surprised he's out there fishing with his son all this kind of stuff to kind of downplay all that brashness that he has and if that's really his 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 his, his, his mo that's gonna uh, uh, do well with him when he fights Canelo. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. You know, I mean, this fight is interesting. There's, there's, you know, a lot of predictions about how this fight's going to go, and they're varying. They're very, very much all over the map. I think um, this is a battle of undisputed champions. It's happening on September 30th. Uh, Saul Canelo Alvarez puts his uh, four, uh, four super middleweight championships on the line against undisputed junior middleweight champion Jamel Charlo. The fight uh, is Alvarez's third defense on his undisputed status and Charlo's first trip up to the 168-pound division. So this is going to be a great fight. Um, I I mean, do you want to make any predictions on this fight, Harold? Or Yes, I do quickly. Char- uh, uh, I, I saw a couple interviews that uh, Canelo did. He said yeah. his hand was hurt all those other times, but now yeah. his hand is 100%. Okay, that's the motivation. Second motivation is the Charlo boys have been calling him out for years, saying that he, you know, he's not he's not all he says he is. So he yeah. and he really doesn't know who's who. He doesn't know the difference between the, this one or that one. He does it doesn't matter to him because as far as he's concerned, they're all the same fighter. And yeah. you know, he he said that. So the hand is healthy. Uh, he feels like he's not disrespected, but he needs to let them know that he does have the skill set that he has, and he he will do that. Uh, yeah. He was saying that, you know, he just enjoys the boxing. You know, he's made the money. He's done this. He's done that. But right now, he just wants to really enjoy himself. So, Mark, you know how it is. You are a fighter. When you're 100% healthy, it's great. Floyd was only healthy 100% one time. And that was was against uh, 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 Gotti. He said that the only time I had no ailments, no pains, no nothing, I was 100% in my entire career. Yeah. Was against him. And you saw what happened in that he just thrashed that boy. So Charlo's claiming this is his time. Well, not his first time, but he's saying that he's 100% healthy. Right. His mind is right. Everything is good. And he wants to make a statement saying, I am the man. And he's motivated by years of years of trash talking from the Charlo, Charlo, rather. Right. Well, you know, like I said, this is uh, there's a lot of scuttlebutt around this fight as well, Harold. There's a lot of people talking about a lot of things. I personally have my predictions about how I think the fight could go. Um, one never knows. So, you know, if you're out there and you're trying to place bets or what have you, just understand that, you know, no one really ever knows how these things are going to go. There's so many factors that go into play uh, on fight night that could swing the fight one way or the other. But um, I, I believe that it's really, really imperative for Charlo to be able to back up Canelo. He's going to have to back Canelo up. Uh, he's going to have to stay off the ropes. 
and he's going to have to command the center of the ring. And if Charlo is successful in backing Canelo up and 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 playing the role of the the uh, you know the real estate mogul, then he's going to have a great chance uh, on coming out with a victory on September 30th. I think that he cannot let uh, Saul Canelo Alvarez back him up and push him up against the ropes and do what Canelo loves to do the most, which is, you know, bang on the body and land those big shots over top. Um, he cannot let Canelo dictate the, the direction of the fight or, or, for that matter, the geography of the fight because this is about who owns the geography and who owns the direction. And that, that I see that if Canelo is successful in pushing Charlo back, then Canelo could get, you know, a stoppage somewhere between 8 and 12. I think that if Charlo is successful in, in maintaining uh, the direction and, and keeping uh, Canelo on his back foot, I think Canelo, uh, Charlo can, you know, get to a victory and possibly possibly score a knockdown and maybe even a stoppage um, if Canelo shows up unprepared, you know? Well, I mean, that that's my take. That's how I, as I a- analyze the fight, those are the kind of circumstances that I see can play. What, what are your thoughts about what I said? Uh, it was perfect. I implore our, our listeners to go watch the Bivol fight. That's the only game plan yeah, you, that you need to see. You need to see exactly what Bivol did. If yeah. he can emulate that, he can win the fight. It's as simple as that. Bivol did exactly as you said. He commanded the inside. Uh, uh, he didn't. He stayed off those ropes. And when he was on the ropes, Canelo was going for his usual work to the body and whatever. But he beat that man's arms and arms and shoulders and everything throwing his best punches, but defensively he was sound, and then he spun off the rope. So if you want to see how Canelo is to be beat at this time in his career, don't look at the Floyd stuff because he wasn't he wasn't yeah, as tall no, no. as he is now. But no. now you look at that Bivol fight, and you can see how Charlo can win. It's, it's clear. It's clear. Yeah. So he has to emulate that. That's just it. I can't even wax on this or that or this or that from my standpoint because I'm not a trainer as you are, you know, and your expertise is, is on point. From 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 my side, he's got a he's got a copy of Bill Ball. Yeah. No, I hear that, Harold. I hear that. I, th- I definitely think, <clears throat> you know, the one the one thing that we have to think about is, yeah, you can copy the Bivol style, but what adjustments stylistically and what lessons were learned from from that fight for Canelo Alvarez and his team. What did they learn from that fight that has been corrected? Because the one thing you know about their team is he's got Eddie Reynoso in his corner, one of the best trainers in the world, uh, hands down, you know, one of the finest trainers that's not sitting there acting like that never happened. I'm sure they've made the proper adjustments for that particular style. And, you know, really... You know, you cut, let's say you come with a complete style like Bovell, Bovell and you, you fight the way Bivol fought, and, um, you know, you come up short because Canelo already figured that out. He already said, hey, this is what I did wrong in that fight, and this is what I needed to do if someone else fights me like that, uses that as a blueprint. 
I think it's that level, man. This is not chess. I mean, this is not checkers. It's chess, you know? Well, I've seen Canelo resort to his own style. I don't think necessarily he may be aware that he needs to do this, do that. But I believe that as you go into the fight, he's like any other fighter. Yeah. He's going to resort to what's been just been working for him. And I don't not saying that he's not disciplined to stick to a game plan, but I yeah. think he always abandons the game plan once he gets you in the situation where he thinks he needs to be with you and he goes to Canelo style. That's where uh, 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 he can, you know, emulate style, if you will, if that's you know vague and, and, and prevail. Because yeah. I don't see Canelo really making any really adjustments. He's already got an attitude because, you know, he's been disrespected. He's already got to add to because the world's saying, oh, you're not the best fighter, but it is, or this and that, not. So he's, he's up, you know, he wants to, right. you know, trumpet that. Then he's got the hand situation, which is healed. So he really wants to really do something. I really think he's going to step in to himself. I don't know if he's really going to have a different game plan to get away from that. The only we, the only reason that Bivol was able to win really was because he avoided the body shots and he stays off the ropes. That's just yeah. being in shape, right? And Charlo is definitely in shape, but we don't know if he can take that kind of punch and kind of, kind of power. So me, I don't see Charlo, I mean, Canelo making a wholesale change <laughs> to change from his style because that's how he lost the Bivol fight. That's yeah. how he, you know, he's been with the, the, the John Ryder mess. All those kind of words. John Ryder looks like, you know, he's, oh, look at him. He really did well because Canelo sailed into his style and he didn't really uh, variate too much. It's been working for him for all these years. Why should he, you know, naturally, you know, change like that? So is he disciplined to do that? So listen, I mean, I think we're going to find out more in the coming weeks. You know, the fight is coming up on, not coming weeks, it's actually September 30th. It's coming up next weekend. Yeah, next week. It's fight week next week. It's a big deal. Everybody's uh, going to Vegas. Everybody's going to Vegas. Yeah, you going to Vegas, Harold? Yeah. (laughs) 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 Oh, that's that's nice. Yeah, yeah, I'll be be in Vegas on that television or wherever I happen to be. But yes. This is a first, a perfect segue to the last part of our program, um, just before we end up here. But I just wanted to let you know that uh, on September 30th, I'm actually going to be in the Atlantic City Boxing Hall of Fame. And the uh, Atlantic City Boxing Hall of Fame uh, is, is happening. The induction weekend is coming up this coming weekend. And there are festivities on Friday. There's fe- the inductions are actually on Saturday. Uh, there's, there's a, a meet and greet brunch on Sunday. Uh, there's, there's, uh, professional fights put on by hard hitting promotion, uh, a partner of the Atlantic city boxing hall of fame. And, um, uh, they're working together this weekend. Um, and so there's a fight that's, uh, that's kind of tied into the whole, uh, weekend event, uh, and that's happening. And listen, it's going to be amazing. I don't know, folks, if you guys are tuning in, if you've ever been to the Atlantic City Boxing Hall of Fame, uh, but it's a star-studded event. I mean, everybody. You'd have to go to the uh, Hall of Fame in Canasota, uh to, to get anything like this. But everybody is there. Every uh, former world champion, uh, boxing managers, promoters, you know, behind the scenes, in front of the scenes, broadcasters, everybody is actually at this event. It is a star-studded event. It's taking place September 30th 
October 1st and uh, I'm sorry, September 30th, September 31st and October 1st. And it's a whirlwind weekend. Come on out. I actually am um, uh, directing the uh, induction ceremonies and I'm excited about the weekend. I'm excited to be there. And uh, just the folks that are being inducted, just go to Atlantic City Boxing Hall of Fame uh, to learn more about the weekend's uh, festivities, because that's a whole podcast in itself. I tried to get Ray McCline um, on this evening to be on the broadcast, but unfortunately he had back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back meetings, and he couldn't make it out for the uh, podcast. But I just want to tell you, if you want to get tickets, go to AC. Uh, bof.com Atlantic City Boxing Hall of Fame.com. So that's let's do the acronym A Atlantic City C Boxing B H Hall of O F Fame. That's right. Atlantic City Boxing Hall of Fame. Get your tickets. Come on out and join us. It's going to be a spectacular weekend, Harold. I wish yes. you could be with us, bro. And um, but That remains to be seen. It still may, may happen. Yeah, man. I would love for you to come on down. You already know. And we definitely can, um, uh, you know, we'll do a post-podcast. for sure I'll have tons of footage and uh you know, I know my boy Lights Out is going to be there. I don't know if Tyson's going to be there, but you know, I know I I know that Lights Out will be there, and I'm excited to see him and all the other amazing uh, world champions. And Shannon Briggs is getting inducted this year, Harold. That's great. That's yeah, great. man, it's going to be great. Shout out. He Shannon. deserves it. He he really did. Uh, he was ambassador for boxing even after he stopped fighting. Oh, um, the way he was running around behind Klitschko was great because it just kept the eye on the heavyweight division. It kept yeah. eye on his personality. He even had a fight here in Atlanta that was, you know, controversial. Yeah. You know, he created a, such a stir. So he's just a really a vibrant personality and he deserves his, you know, to be inducted. Yeah. Well, listen, Harold, it's been great. Uh, yes. Again, as always, thank you for listening. Uh, Thank you for being with us, uh, folks out there listening to The Boxing Breakdown. That is what you have been listening to. And we will see you guys on the next episode of The Boxing Breakdown. Peace and love. Catch you on the next run. We out. We out. Thank you, Harold, man. I'll see you later, brother. Fight fans, join host Mark Roxy and special guests as they break down all aspects of the boxing world, including news, business, management, training, promotions, fan reactions, upcoming events, matchups, future boxing stars, title fights, state of the boxing world, and all the stuff you don't see when you watch boxing. This podcast is released each week on Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Live streamed on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook Live. It's the Boxing Breakdown, hosted by Mark Roxy. Ready?
Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event. Fight fans worldwide, you've tuned into the number one undisputed boxing podcast today. This is the Boxing Breakdown. What's up, what's up, what's up? And welcome to another edition of the Boxing Breakdown. I am your host, Mark Roxy, and I am here with my partner in crime, Mr. Harold Hunt. What's up, brother? What's up, man? How you doing? I'm good, man. Welcome back. Welcome back today. Uh, It's a glorious day. Uh, We got some much needed rain and I'm excited about that. Um, Harold, I just wanted to take a moment uh, to welcome the guests. So for those of you that are tuning into the Boxing Breakdown this evening, thank you very much for being with us. I am Mark Roxy. I am your host and I'm here with my partner in crime, Mr. Harold Hunt. And uh, you can find us, by the way, live on Facebook and on YouTube, and you can listen to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And do not forget to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram. And uh, yeah, we're also, I think we're also on LinkedIn as well, but um you know, Facebook and Instagram are big ones, so you can find us at The Boxing Breakdown. And here we go, my friends. Buckle it up, buckle it up, buckle it up. Because today we are going to talk about Canelo Alvarez versus Charlo. We're going to break that fight down a little bit and uh, hopefully pump you guys up and get you excited about the upcoming fight. Uh, we're going to also explore this Frank Martin uh and him pulling out supposedly and allegedly pulling out of the Stevenson matchup. So we'll get into that. And then we'll, um, we'll talk a little bit about the Spence, uh, and Crawford, uh, rematch. I think that we got some news on that as well. As you can see, Spence exercises that rematch clause. And then finally we will get into Connor Ben and his outstanding performance, uh, as well as Bomac's uh, arrest. Uh, he, he apparently was arrested, and uh, Harold's got a bunch of news on that. So without further ado, my friends, let's get into this, Harold. What you got, brother? Let's talk about this Canelo Alvarez versus Charlo fight. As everyone knows, uh, Canelo's going to be fighting uh, Charlo, uh, the younger Charlo, and right now... Uh, they're really being very gracious toward each other at the press conferences and their comments off of camera. Um, we're used to Charlo being kind of a belligerent and, and, and arrogant, but his tone this time is completely different from, from before. Um, I'm seeing that he, he's thinking that he can beat uh, Canelo and all that other bravado is not really needed. Um, Canelo, on the other hand, he feels like this is his chance to really show the world that he is the best fighter because in light of all the fights that's happened, happened, happened so far, the, uh, 
Crawford Spence fight, uh, uh, the the other fight with Tank and Ryan, uh, the Usyk fight. He wants to prove that he is still the best uh, available. So he's going to be really focused to really fight well, and and Charlo is too. Now, if you saw the press conference, you noticed that Charlo is taller, but he's not as wide. The main thing I'm pulling from this right now is that Charlo feels that once he beats Canelo, he's going to move back down and entertain Bud Crawford. And right now, his Ooh. his 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 comments are really toward uh, uh, Crawford right now. And yeah. I'm I believe that you know mostly it should be about his fight with Canelo. So. Um, Crawford seems to be in his head some right now, and I, I wouldn't entertain that. I wouldn't even have any kind of talk about that. Yeah. But it is business because business dictates that either way, if he loses or wins, he, he may have a chance to fight uh, Crawford. So I have to give that to him. Yeah, That's I mean, all. he 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 came out, uh, Canelo Alvarez did come out recently stating that he felt that Crawford was a very good fighter. He has stated that on multiple interviews, but but he also said that he's only won one big fight. He's really only uh, got one, you know, big fight against Errol Spence, and there's not much more on his resume. So what do you think about those comments? Well, he should say that. Uh, he looks at his own resume and see he's had huge fights over the years. So right. all of those fights uh, really qualify him to be where he's at right now. Yes, Crawford has had just one fight that the world really knew about. But if you throw out the names of the fighters, uh, their popularity, and look at their skill level, I feel both of their resumes are on par. Because yeah. Crawford did fight some really good fighters. They just didn't have name value and seat value and that type of thing. But they were really great fighters. He had to prove himself and fight quite well. Canelo had the great fighters, but they, they had cachet. Yeah, so Harold, I'm going to pause just for a quick second here because what I'd like to do for for our listeners is really uh, remind them that this uh, Canelo Alvarez versus Jermel, Jermel Charlo is uh, taking place on Showtime pay-per-view on September 30th at 8 p.m., right? This is going to be a pretty, pretty big fight, and I have a feeling the pay-per-view numbers are going to be outstanding on this one. It hasn't quite heated up early on. Like, you know, you normally see these kinds of fights heating up earlier, but I do think <clears throat> part of the reason is that, you know, a lot of people are going back to school, you know, the summer's kind of taking a, a back seat now. People are getting back into their routine. And so I think there's just like a little bit of lag time here, but I think this thing is going to pop off. Right. So, I mean, this is a move that really is staged uh, to make, I mean, it's going to basically set the world on fire as far as I'm concerned in terms of boxing. Um, I want to see this fight. This fight has, a, a, there's a lot riding on this fight for Canelo Alvarez and Jermel Charlo. So whoever takes an L here, um, I think it's going to be a big step back. What do you think about that, Harold? Canelo couldn't afford to lose a lot to, to lose right. only because he has such a huge situation going on with his career and his legacy that mm. a loss for him won't even step him back. He lost to Bilbo. We, 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 uh, you know, excuse that. Right. And early in his career, we lost to Floyd. We excuse that. 
And if he loses here, he'll he'll still be excused. So he understands that. Uh, as far as Charles con- Charlo's concerned, he has the opportunity to really make history. He'll be uh, 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 he'll be the undisputed at two weight classes, and he went up three classes to do it. So he has a lot to lot to lot to gain. But if he loses, he doesn't really lose that much because the excuse will be he moved up. Uh, yeah. He is actually out of his weight class. Uh, he's fighting Canelo and that type of thing. Yes. For me, both of those guys have kind of not, I'm not saying dropped the ball, but they, the respect is rampant. And it's so, the respect is so prevalent, it's kind of caused, you know, all of the press conferences to be kind of mundane. Because they've had the major press conferences in LA and New York, I believe. And it just didn't grab you as such. Uh, so, Maybe as we get closer, uh, there'll, be, there'll be some some back and forth. Maybe yeah. uh, Charlo's camp and, and uh, 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 Canelo's camp will get into some kind of beef and spice it up. But right now, it's pretty mundane. Yeah, well, <clears throat> folks, listen up. Canelo Alvarez is 59 and two with two draws. So 59 fights, two losses, two draws. Jamel Charlo is 35 wins, one loss, and one draw. So this is a very interesting, interesting fight. I believe it's for the IBF, WBA, WBC, and WBO titles that are on the line. And this fight is going to be taking place, as I said, September 30th. I'll say it again, September 30th. And it is also in Las Vegas at the T-Mobile Arena. So if you guys are out west and you want to see a really good fight, make sure you get those tickets. If you are close enough to get to the T-Mobile Arena, uh, you won't be disappointed. And this this program is going to be put on by Premier Boxing Champions, um, and broadcasted live on Showtime, as I said before, pay-per-view, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and 5 p.m. Pacific Time. So let me interject. 168. Yeah. It's at 168. Thank you, Harold. Yes, y'all. It is at 168. I, I declined to say that, and Harold's got my back. Always. <laughs> Can- <laughs> Canelo Alvarez is 33 years old, man. You know? So yes. I mean, we're, we're not saying he's old. I mean, we're not no. we're not going down that road again, right? We're not going down no, the road. Like, we've had that <laughs> we've had that back and forth. But at one sixty eight, he feels very comfortable there. But, and to me, when he moved to one seventy five and lost, he was getting hit by a bigger man. You know, right. so to me, that's a situation where you know he may have the advantage. But Charlo's stating that in this training, he's getting he's fighting light heavyweights and this, that, and the other. And you know, he's working that way. Now, Mark as, as a trainer. Uh, I guess being uh, a sparring with a heavier man and all that is beneficial, but I don't know if it really translates in the actual fight with a bigger man. Your your opinion? Well, well, Harold. I mean, <clears throat> I think it depends on the circumstances. There are times where you know, for work, you want a heavier fighter. Um, you can exercise on a heavier fighter. You can get your combinations off without the risk of getting. Uh, hurt. So in sparring, you know, you may, you may get heavier fighters to come into camp because they can take a little bit more uh, of, of the, uh, the onslaught, you know, and they're not going to be 
you know, come in one day and leave camp the next day uh, because they've got a little bit more weight on them. So there, sometimes that can can help. I mean, I think in in terms of developing a cache of fighters that come in, um, a team of fighters that come in to work with your fighter, it's nice to have an array of different sizes and, and uh, muscular types. And I think the reason for that, Harold, is because... You know, sometimes working fast is good, fast muscle twitch. Sometimes it's good to work slower and be more methodical with your with your skill sets. Maybe work a little bit more on your defense with the punches coming a little slower in areas and pockets where you're not really that good. So there's a lot of things that, that you can do with the size. Um, and then, of course, you know, when you have a, a smaller fighter and a faster fighter, a lot of times what you're going to get is you're going to get faster hand speed. You can get faster movement, faster reflexes. So if you're fighting a fighter that, you know, if you're preparing for a fighter that is quicker than you, you may want to pick up the speed, right? Um, so there's a lot there. And I really want to thank you for asking that question because I think it helps the listeners to really understand, you know, what what that's about, right? True, true. So being both of those guys are utilizing that type of technique, the bigger man, the smaller man, to kind of work on different things that they're going to work on, they're going to use in the fight with each other. Um, My overall feel is uh, Charlotte, rather, is just thinking about being focused and being in the opportunity that he can possibly win. And I don't think that well, he has said that he believes he can knock uh, 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 Canelo out. Now, I was watching a little bit of pieces of, of, mm. of Canelo recently, and uh, Jacobs hit him with his best left hook. I mean, turned his head all around while engagement. Right. And it was clean, and it was right on the button, and it was powerful. And Canelo didn't even flinch. He took that punch. His head snapped to the right, snapped right back, and he delivered a punch. Didn't take a step back. He didn't wobble or anything. So now uh, with Daniel Jacobs, who's a pretty heavy hitter, I, I I believe at that time because he was still in his prime at that time, which he still is yeah. prime-ish if you want to use that word. But at that time, he was definitely in the smack dag of, of his prime. He was hitting Canelo pretty heavily. Canelo has a great chin, Mark. Not only not only you bring up a great point, Harold, because not only does Canelo have a great chin, but Jamal Jamal Charlo only has nineteen knockouts in his thirty-five fights. So, I mean, I shouldn't say only because, you know, he put 19 of them away with knockout, right? But, you know, when you look at Canelo Alvarez's knockout ratio, he's got, I mean, he's got 39 of his knockouts. 39 of the 59 fights he's got have come by way of knockout. So, I mean, that's fairly, you know, that's a lot of experience knocking folks out. I disagree. Tell me. When Charlo got with his new trainer, yeah. he became a knockout artist. If you look at the, 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 the knockouts that he occurred after he moved trainers, yeah. he was knocking them out left and right. And when he says, I'm a knockout artist, he is a knockout artist with his new trainer because the, the narrative was changed, the process was changed, the thought process was changed. Yeah. So in my mind, he is a knockout artist. A knockout fighter. Yeah, of course, his record's going to say such, but those were before he adapted this knockout 
mentality and procedure. So he is a knockout fighter, a knockout yeah. a puncher to me. So Harold, I mean, that's a great point you bring up. And, and actually you may be 100% right about that. I mean, if you're looking at the percentages, if you're looking at percentages solely, Canelo Alvarez knockout ratio is 66.1% while Jamel Charlo's knockout ratio is 54.29%. So they are relatively close uh, percentage-wise. If you're looking at it on paper, the, the knockout percentage is really not that far off. So to your, and, and that, I know that wasn't exactly what your point was, but as I, as I delve into the knockout ratio there a little bit more, I can see, you know, yeah, he hasn't had as many fights, but you know, his ratio is close. It's 54%. So, you know, all, I guess what I'm saying is they're, these guys, you know, Eddie Reynoso, who is a very, very skillful trainer, one of the best, and will go down in the Hall of Fame, no doubt, as one of the mass, most masterful trainers of our era. He's very, very excited about this fight. He believes that he's fighting, that he's putting his fighter in with a truly, uh, you know, amazing fighter. And that this is going to really be a test for Canelo Alvarez. But see, everything is not always what it seems in boxing. I look at this fight and I think this is a perfect style matchup for Canelo Alvarez. For a lot of tactical reasons, uh, I see that Canelo, this guy is made for Canelo Alvarez. And so maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm right. I've been wrong 50% of the time. <laughs> so, well, you know, right? I mean, I don't has know. a good record. For me, be yeah. ball which is a name that may not be mentioned here. If you go back and look at that fight, Duvall yeah. fights similar to Charlo. He does. And when he does that, has done that against Canelo, you see where Canelo breaks down, where his style does not fit that type of uh, uh, style. He can't really work with that as, as well as he needs to. And I think we spoke on this before, uh, Floyd employed that style against him. Bivol mm. uh, employed that style against him. They were both successful. Those are his losses. Yeah. So we're looking at uh, Canelo, I mean, uh, Charlo rather, having the opportunity to either emulate those styles or not. If yeah. he does, he may have a better, he may have a, a, a chance to do so. I'm sure he's looking at all that and knowing that, you know, that is opportunity. He's yeah. just trying to get uh, Canelo on the end of some of that power. Right. Well, look, I mean, I know that, that Charlo is super, super excited uh, about this As fight. As he should be. Yeah, he's, he's super excited. Anybody in their right or left mind would be super excited to have an opportunity to fight uh, uh, Saul Canelo Alvarez, uh, you know, standing at a record of 59-2-2. Two and two. Um, Having this win against a, you know, Hall of Famer, future Hall of Famer anyway, is really a great opportunity for um, Charlo. You know, it helps his opportunity to get in the Hall of Fame also because yeah. he is undisputed. He yeah. is undisputed. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, uh, before his sedate type attitude, he was one of the best trash talkers and he was just, you know, polarizing. You know, we enjoyed the angry Charlo. 
We enjoyed right. him. Just, just, just the stuff talking, Charlie. We love that, but he's not doing that this time. So it's, it's, it's different, but we have to see how, how he's going to work it out. Right. And, and at the top of the program, you did mention that, uh, Charlotte, Charlotte comes in a little bit bigger and he does. I mean, when they stand next to each other, you know, there's definitely a height differential there. Um, but I'm just wondering if that height differential is kind of, you know, the same, you know, that's kind of what Canelo needs. He needs a yes. little height in his opponent, yeah. right? Yes. Cause Canelo style is, uh, I want to, I don't want to say punching up, yeah. but, uh, that is what he does. And it's, he's more comfortable, yeah. uh, you know, when he can uh, deliver in, in such a manner. And you could see the difference between when he fought, uh, people who are about his same height or whatever. And then the ones who are a little taller, he was able yeah. to deliver his punches a little better and that type of thing. So for him, height doesn't really matter. No, you know, he, he, some of his best punches, some of his best punch selections are things like, uh, you know, rear uppercut up the middle, uh, <clears throat> a five to the body, left hook to the body, uh, shovel punch to the body on the left side, uh, check hook on the left side, you know, sweeping hook on the left side, dropping the, 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 the rear uh, four to the body. Those are some of his best shots. So obviously landing those shots against the taller, um, more lankier fighter, if you will, um, makes it makes it really great for him to exercise the punches that actually produce the best knockouts for him in his career. So I'm, I'm excited to see about it. I think Charlo, you know, Charlo is not an opponent to play with lightly. He's not, he's a very, very serious, um, skillful fighter, um, rough, rough fighter. He will mix it up with you on the inside. He will trade with you on the outside. He'll, he'll sneak punches long range and find those 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 spots to land shots as you come in. So he has a lot of a lot of things that he can do in the fight as well. Um, his defense to me is his his weakest. Not saying yeah. it's weak, but it's less than his offense. Put it like that. Right. I'm not saying he has a weak defense at all. I'm just saying it's the lesser of the two, and that is something that uh, Canelo could possibly exploit because. When you attack, you leave yourself open to be attacked. And right. he is definitely an attacker. So when you do that, you leave yourself available. Yeah. Now, the only fighter I know who can do that and get away with it very cleanly is Shakur, but we're not talking about him. Yeah, but not yet. That anyway. is, but that is what uh, uh, Char Charlo may have to uh, uh, be mindful of as Canelo is looking for him to attack so he can counter. Yeah, well, hopefully Derek James has, uh, which is actually uh, Jermel Charlo's uh, trainer, has a lot of things in in planned, you know, in mind uh, to deliver to a Mr. Saul Canelo Alvarez. Um, True. You would need to have quite an arsenal to get in there uh, come September 30th. And... Uh, I'm excited. I know this is going to be uh, uh, the undercard is going to be pretty stacked as well. It's going to feature a lot of really, really good fighters. Um, <clears throat> there are formal former title holders on that card. Yes. Um, it's going to be everything from 147 to 160. Woo, woo, woo. And um, again, folks, uh, before we move on here, it is going to be on Showtime pay-per-view this coming Saturday, September 30th. Listen. Do not miss that fight. <laughs> uh, 
okay, Harold. So let's move right along here. Boom, boom, boom. Let's get ourselves over to Frank Martin. Uh, tell me about what's happening with Frank Martin. I understand that he pulled out of the fight with Shakur Stevenson. What's that about? Right now, the world, the boxing world is shook up. Everyone is doing uh, emergency uh, video podcasts and yeah. emergency uh, uh, articles. And, and it's just shaking up the world only because this is a, something that's unprecedented. It hasn't happened uh, in this manner in, in such a, such a, a, a while. Uh, as you know, Frank Martin did sign up to fight uh, Stevenson and Everyone was happy about that. Right. At the ninth hour, he pulled out of the fight. Now, this this is the particulars, according to ESPN and Dan Rayfield. Uh, contracts were signed. Uh, they were to be signed. At, at Everyone was signed it, and everyone was ready to just get the final signatures, and he pulled out. Now, right. uh, Martin uh, is forfeiting a million-dollar payday. I suspect, I don't know if this is true, but I don't know if he's, he's ever made over 200 grand for a fight or he right. may not have been, ever made that much. I don't believe, but this is a million dollar fight right now. What this effectively does is it kind of tarnishes eyes. It tarnishes him in the eyes of, of the boxing fans. They're saying you're scared. Now he's not scared or anything yeah. like that, but there's some other factors that we don't know about, but this is a ramification of doing what he did. When you win the Oscar as an actor, yeah. when you do another film, even if that film is trash, they got to pay you for having that Oscar. They got to pay you that. So the movie may not do anything, but you're going to get your number because you, you have that Oscar. Once you make a million dollars, win or lose, your next fights, they have to pay you around that range, period. Because now you have graduated to that financial range and that's where you are. He left that. He negated that opportunity. So now he's going to go back to the low 200s, 100s, or whatever it was. I don't know what he got previously. But if he had to took this fight, win or lose, he would have to be paid around a million dollars every time he fought for the rest of his career. Now he has to get back in a position where he can make that kind of money with someone who wants to fight him at that kind of number. We know uh, Stevenson brings that kind of number for him. That was number one. Number two, the boxing fans are like, what's going on? They don't understand there's politics and this and that and financials, all that. All they know is right. he pulled out at the last minute. He chicken out. Now, his name is Frank Martin. And the little scuttlebutt going around, I'm not trying to say anything negative, but it's kind of uh, uh, apropos because people have little names for different people. But uh, what they're saying is um, he is now Frank Purdue, the chicken man. So that's kind of cute, I would think. But I think he can really turn that around by uh, – Fighting someone quickly and going right back to Shakur because he is not right. the chicken man, you know. And you know, but that's what the world's going to look at. So he hasn't said any, he hasn't given any kind of uh, explanation why he did that. But those two things he has lost as of now: the the guaranteed payday of million dollars, the guaranteed paydays of around million dollars for a subsequent fights. Wow. The the way of, the way the boxing public is looking at him. So. We have yet to find out exactly what happened, if Al Heyman was involved, if they didn't think it was feasible. We just don't know. But it went too, it went so far just to be cast aside. Wow, this is, you know, I'm shaking my head on this one because, you know, we've been talking about Shakur Stevenson for, you know, six months or, or more about 
who he's going to fight and the fact that he is one of the pound for pound best fighters out there. Um, the problem is he doesn't get a chance to show it because nobody wants to fight him. They're and all pulling out more. Yeah. All- yeah. It's, it's, it's an awful situation for Shakur. Um, it's not much better for top rank, right? I mean, cause they need their fighter in the fight. They need to be able to put him out there so they can build him after all of the investment that they've spent. Uh, Shakur has only got 20 fights, Right. And yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't mean like he's only yeah 20 fights. He's got 10 knockouts in the 20 fights. And, um, you know, th- that's a 50% knockout ratio. It's not bad. It's close to Jamel Charles. Jamel Charles is only 54%. So he can keep that rolling. You know, he might even be able to lift that up as he grows into his body and gets stronger and stronger and more experienced in the ring. But the problem is he's not getting the fights. He can't get any fights. And, the thing about this, this fight was supposed to take place at 135 pounds. Frank Martin is a southpaw, very crafty, very skillful southpaw. I was excited to see this fight because my thought was, ooh, Shakur really put himself in deep here or his, his camp put him in pretty deep here. And what's yeah. that about, right? This is going to, re- he's going to really have to uh, prove himself. Uh, so... You know, I mean, we never know what's happening in the back. This was also going to be for the vacant uh, WBC lightweight title, which was vacated by uh, Devin Haney, who Devin moved, Haney. moved up to, one, exactly. moved to 140 so he could yeah. fight a Regis Prograves. But Shakir is hurt by this, too, because yeah. his, 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 uh, unless his number is guaranteed, they're going to say, we, we have to pay you less. Yeah. So he comes down as far as what he's supposed to be paid, unless it was a guarantee that he would. But if the contracts weren't signed, they can renegotiate everybody else. But so was this a situation where top rank shot over the contract to the to the Ben camp, Bean camp, and they didn't like the terms or were the terms agreed upon? Contract was sent for signature and and it just wasn't signed. Everything was agreed upon in stone. All you have to do was sign it. Whatever uh, clause came up or whatever concern came up, it came right. up at the very last minute. Uh, and then okay. he he said no. So if you're not going to sign the contract, you're going to voice that this, that doesn't right. go well. And then you're going to hear about it a week ahead of time or, you know, whatever. But when you are right there at the signing table or however, however they're doing it, and then you pull out the very last minute and you don't even right. cite what exactly what it was. And we still don't know exactly what it was. That's just suspect to the, the fans. To yeah. the fans. But Mark, you and I know there's so much more in the background that we don't know that really can cause this type of thing to happen. But the, oh. but the people outside uh, who are not privy or who don't choose to be privy, because some people say, yeah, I know how that stuff works, but I don't care about that. I'm a fan and I want this to happen. Those people are somewhat, you know, uh, surprised. So this is where we're at right now with him. Yeah. I don't know how it's going to work out. Now, the, the uh, another fighter wants to go ahead and fight him. Uh, I believe his name is Sandoval. He's like number five down the line oh, yeah. there. Yeah. And and he's, he's this is his opportunity to really, uh, you know, get himself in the limelight. I'll oh. fight you where no one else was. You know, how many people pulled out before uh, Frank? Three people pulled out of note. They pulled out. Yeah. So, the fight may still go on or not. We just don't know, Mark. Right. Well, the fight was scheduled for, I believe, no in November, right? 
It was scheduled right, for and November. two venues were lined up, one in New York <laughs> and one was in Vegas. So we don't even know if the what venue pulled out, if they're going to have the venue, if the seating is, is uh, you know, if they still want to do it, if the other guy can even sell the tickets. Oh, all of that is just all up in the air. Sloppy, 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 everybody. Sloppy, you guys. Come on, Top Rank and TBC and all you guys got to get this thing together so we can make this fight. Shakur needs this fight. And, uh, you know, Connor Ben needs this fight too, or I'm sorry, not Connor Ben. Frank Martin needs this fight too. You know, I mean, if he doesn't. This was an opportunity to thrust himself in the the space. Even if he lost, it's kind of like if you lose to Floyd, you get a pass. Yeah. If you lose to Shakur, who is, he will be uh, one of the greatest fighters of all time just because his skill set is so sublime. He hasn't even gotten even into what he can really do. So you lose to him early in your career and in his career, it's, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. You can take that loss and still be a viable candidate to the promoters, the networks yeah. and the fans, but he's just sidestepping that for whatever reason. I'm not well, criticizing, but he's it's happening. It's happened. Yeah, no. And, and it's just, you know, Shakur Stevenson, if you're listening, this is not the first time a fighter is avoided like the plague. Uh, you've spent your life training to be an amazing fighter. You've developed the skills of an amazing fighter. You have the pedigree of an amazing fighter. You've been trained to be an amazing fighter. And so because of that, people are going to avoid you. They are going to have to eventually fight you. Okay. Because eventually there you are. They're going to have to come through you. So, you know, good luck with it. All I'm saying is that uh, we really want to see Shakur up on the big, big stage. Um, Shakur hails from Newark, New Jersey. Shout out Newark, New Jersey. And shout out Shakur Stevenson. Uh, More to come on that saga. There's going to be a lot more coming down the pike in the next day or two about that. Yes. Um, And so stay tuned for that. If you are listening in, thank you for being with us. If you are on YouTube, we appreciate that. Make sure you hit the like and subscribe along with the notifications down below, right down there, right down there. Down Um, there. Yeah, down there. And if you're um, following us on Facebook, you know, share it. Hit the like button. Share it with your friends. I'm sure there's tons of people out there that would enjoy the program and we would appreciate your kindness. Um, Please. Yeah, if you're watching on, or you're not watching, if you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get those podcasts, thank you. And just leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing. And by the way, YouTubers and Facebookers, you guys can actually leave your comments. We just opened up the comment line. So if you want to get in there and drop a comment, um, We didn't schedule this broadcast, so it's just anybody out there who's floating around. And you also can put your comments in the comment box after the broadcast has been completed. So whatever it is, we love, love your comments. And uh, so anyway, let's move on right here, okay? Let's get into this uh, uh, Errol Spence and uh, Terrence Crawford rematch, apparently... Errol Spence has exercised the rematch clause. Is that correct, Harold? 
Yes, according to uh, the people out there who are into the boxing world, he did, in fact, invoke uh, the the rematch. So that being the case, uh, it ties Bud up because Bud wanted to take the winner of um, Canelo and Charlotte. But now he's obligated per contract to go ahead and rematch with uh, Spence. Now, Spence's mindset is of get back. He's not concerned about the money. He's not concerned about anything else. I know as myself, as me, if I get beat up in the street, I tell him we're going to fight again tomorrow. Right. And then if he beats me again, we're going to fight again tomorrow. Right. And if he beats me again, we're going to fight. We're going to fight every day until I'm victorious. And if he wants to fight again, we're going to fight again because right. it's about to get back. Y'all take the whooping, but I'm going to try to get you the next day. And if I can't get you the next day, I'm going to get you. I'm going to try to get you the next day. You got to whoop me every, every, every day. One day you won't. Yeah. So that is Spence's attitude. Yeah. He doesn't care about anything. He's got to get that get back and he wants to do that. Now, even if you get to get back and you lose, uh, Wilder did that, that type of thing. Mentally, emotionally, you understood that that fighter has a better skill set than you. Yeah. But you have to prove to yourself that you uh, gave it your best shot the second time. You still didn't prevail. But in your heart and in your mind, you did the best you could. And you can accept that and move forward with your life. So he is about the get back. Now, people are saying, well, you're going to get beat the wor- worse because uh, you may have problems with the weight. And now you come in better. But so will Bud. Bud will be stronger, you know, because he doesn't have to uh, uh, come up with the weight. Uh, now the gloves are going to be larger. The gloves are going to be larger gloves. So I don't know how that uh, is going from eight to 10 ounce gloves. So we have to see if, you know, the speed will be the same because the gloves are larger. We have to see if the damage will be the same because (laughs) the gloves are larger Uh, and the men themselves will be larger and more compact because of the weight. So that's what it's about. Now it's it's not even for a title uh, because uh, Bud's not fighting at uh, 47. It's going to be 54. So it'll be a non-title fight. Maybe some of the sanctioned bodies will put together some silver belts or some anniversary belts or some kind of belt so they can have a, uh, a, a optic of belts being on the line because the casual fan doesn't really know about, you know, the, the real, all the belts being there. But they know the fight's going to come off and you got to have some kind of hardware for the fans to to uh, recognize. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but I mean, this is there's something to what you just said something very, very important that I want the listeners to really hear in in what you said, which is that, you know, Spence must believe that he can win this fight down at 154. What do you think he thinks? You think he's, he's, he's thinking, well, I'm, I can be stronger there or what, what is it that's happening that makes him think that he can do a better job against Terrence Crawford at 154? Possibly just with my thoughts, he's, thinking that his punch resistance will be a lot better yeah. because as you know, he takes punches to deliver. He just wears you down. You hit him with, with your, with the clean work. He's still there. You hit him again with clean work. He's still there. He's still coming. He's going to just overwhelm you. Like just, just overwhelm you like a tsunami, just con- coming, 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 never stopping. He didn't have the punch resistance. Possibly. I'm not making excuses. I don't know, 
But when he got hit, it affected him every time. Maybe at 54, when he gets hit with some of those type of punches, he can continue his 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 mode of operation. He's not going to come in here bump boxing or anything else or or you know counter punching. He's going to do what he does. But he feels like at this weight, my opinion, he'll have greater uh, punch resistance and he can uh, do what he usually does and overwhelm Bud with the with the frequency of his work. Yeah, I just think Harold, <clears throat> I, I get all of that, and I think that. 154 only makes Terrence Crawford faster. It only makes him faster to do what he did. I don't, I don't really see, you know, as a coach, you know, if I've got Errol Spence, that's my fighter. And I just watched him, you know, lose the way he lost. He's going in now with a new trainer too, I believe. Yes, he is. And, and he's facing the guy that just beat him at a higher weight Fighting at 154 seems to me to be like a reckless kind of situation for Errol Spence. And maybe do you think it's a money grab or do you think it's it's uh, legitimate that he believes that he can win this fight? Well, as I said before, the your ego is such a tremendous motivator mm-hmm. in life. And it sometimes denies logic. And when it does that, you just acting, you're acting on your, your emotions and you, you may or may not be looking at a different strategy. Of course they are. Of course they're thinking this or that and the other, but the, but the basis of the rematch cloth is to get, get that get back. You know, I got to get that get back. No matter what I do, I've got to have the opportunity to do that. It translates into another payday. It translates into opportunities for him to stay at 54, uh, that type of thing. Um, once again, he may get a pass because he's he's losing to a very great fighter. And he himself had many years of being you know the greatest fighter out there at that weight class. We just have to wait and see. Well, see, the thing is, is I like I don't subscribe to this idea that Errol Spence just had a bad night and lost to a better fighter that night. I don't really subscribe to that. I didn't like, I did not like the way Errol Spence looked in the last fight. I didn't like the way he looked at the end of the last fight. I was very, very concerned for Errol Spence as a trainer. Right. And as someone who knows the damage that is inflicted in a professional uh, prize fight like that one, I am just a little bit worried about it because I don't, I don't see that the fight is going to be any different at 154. I think that you've got a situation where, you know, he's just as strong. He's and and he's fast. He's faster. The punches are going to come in faster now. We got ten ounce gloves now. No, I understand. I understand the 10-ounce the gloves. So what is that? I mean, 10-ounce hurts just as much as 8-ounce gloves. But the initial, from, from what I understand, the initial uh, delivery is going to be somewhat weighted, if you will. And as the fight goes along, they yeah. uh, the water and all that uh, starts to condense into the gloves, and they're, they're heavier Yeah. Uh, as you go along. So uh, if you're used to throwing lighter gloves, you know, maybe that'll make it uh, – uh, uh, 
a factor, but I don't know. I'm not a fighter. I yeah. haven't been in there to throw. Uh, I haven't used eight ounce gloves and go with ten ounce gloves, so I don't really know how that feels. <clears throat> I don't know what it's like when you know, you know, condensation of water gets in. I just don't know. But I just believe, from my basic understanding, that it should be a little harder to throw heavier gloves. Listen, as you what, go along. Listen, that's why that's why I said what I said in the previous comment, Harold, because. Errol Spence did not look good. Uh, he's, he's, I don't know what is causing him to appear uh, to have very, very poor reflexes. Um, his equilibrium wasn't right. Um, his, 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 you know, his kinesthetic awareness wasn't good. Like he just wasn't able to get where he needed to get. And, and he was getting touched. And when he was getting touched, it was hurting him. You could see that he was hurt. So yeah, I, punch I, I resistance. Yeah, man. I it, the punch resistance just isn't there. I don't know if it was the car accident. I don't. We've been bringing these things up and speculating about what it is. But here's my concern. We as a boxing community also like the number one thing as a coach. For me as a coach, my number one responsibility is to make sure that I keep my safe my fighters safe at all times. That is the most important job that we have as a coach is to keep our fighters safe. Now that can be through tactics. It could be through preparation, but most importantly, it's by keeping an eye on our fighter and knowing when, you know, enough is enough. Right. So, and that's a hard call to make, but that's our job to make. There's no emotion attached to that. It's like, Hey, this, this towel's going in there because you just took too many blows. That's it. And <clears throat> I just, I'm putting it out there because I'm concerned about Errol Spence. And I'm putting it out there because I know, I know that he dares to be great. I get all of that. He dares to be great. He is great. He's an amazing fighter. But I, I'm, I'm legitimately concerned about the damage that he his did health? in the last fight and his health. Really? Well, I don't think any of those things are a factor. I don't think any of those things are a factor. Yeah. He was a young man when that happened. Uh, he was able to bounce back. Yeah. Uh, I believe he has good genes. I believe all of that, the car accident, and the eye injury and all that. For me, I don't believe that's a factor. What I possibly can see is maybe is really draining him to do 147. And right. Mark, as you know, that lowers your resistance to everything because your, your, your body is not where it needs to be. He's an older gentleman now. I mean, not saying he's old, but you know, yeah. his body just needs to be, uh, uh, you know, melted down to 147. It's just, right. you know, may, it may not be what he needs to, needs to be at. So as I said earlier, possibly he'll, his punch resistance goes up. He'll feel better in this training camp. Uh, he'll be more comfortable and he'll, Look mm -hmm. out for that, some of that work that he got that put him down. Yeah. You know, maybe he'll change some things so he won't be as hit. He's still going to get hit, but maybe he has the opportunity to really overwhelm. But uh -huh. as I said before, I believe he absolutely needs this mentally. If he, even if he loses again, he needs to know that he, he he did a good job and he tried his best to to uh, to get the get back, and he just was beaten by a better fighter. And as he said. He saw the the, uh, the the three kings of the, uh, the Mayweather fights and, and the Hagler fights and all those kind of fights. Those guys went back and forth beating and 
and losing and winning with each other back and forth and back and forth. He wants to be in that. So for him, the loss is just a loss, and he has to kind of rebound as he saw his heroes do in the past. Yeah. No, I get it. But I, I tell you, I want to go on record by saying I'm very concerned about his, you know, the neurological As, as you should. And, you know, I, I don't see any reason for him to go. I mean, other than the money, the money is very real. The money is so real and so good that I get it. I get the allure. Um, it's life changing money for sure. But I just, you know, I'm not sure that it's, it warrants losing a man's life for it, you know? So, so for me, that's what, Oh, that's, 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 that's dire right there. Well, no, I mean, listen, man, you can lose your life in the boxing ring anytime. I've seen guys, listen, people do not, if you're a coach and you've worked with professional fighters, I've worked with a lot of professional fighters and make no bones about it. Stepping into that ring, you are putting your life at risk. Every time. And if you think as a fighter that you're not, you really need to think about what you're doing because it is very, very serious. You have to be prepared. This is a sport of gladiators. It's a sport. It's a blood sport. It's a sport. uh, You fight, you know, the job is to take the other person out. And there have been many, many times where fighters have been taken out to the point where they've been hurt severely, um, damaged eternally, uh, and, and, and not made it out of the ring at all. So I say that because we have an obligation to be able to see what, like, I know what I'm looking at because I've looked at it so many times and I've seen it so many times and it it is not uncommon for us Mm -hmm. to simply say, I will not allow you to spar anymore. You are done. Simple. Because your life, I don't even have to give you the because. I'm telling you, it's over for you. And our job as coaches is to help help the fighter transition into other aspects of life that don't involve being in the ring. And I think it's important for fighters to know when that is. And so maybe it's not this fight, but I'm, I'm concerned. That's all I'm saying. And that okay. what I was talking about is really a lesson. And, and for those that are listening into our podcast, Harold, that are really, uh, you know, they tune in all the time. They, they're in boxing. You know, we do not play boxing as a trainer. If you know, you come to my gym, you come to the, you know, anywhere where I'm training, you know what we're talking about. We are not playing boxing and, you know, on, on a collegiate level on a, on a, or even as a, as a young amateur, it's fun. There's lots of lessons, you know, everything is super, super regulated. But once you take those, the headgear off and you take those gloves, and smaller and you make gloves. eight yeah. ounce gloves is literally like getting hit with a bare fist. Trust me. <laughs> trust me when I tell you it is a, it, those knuckles hurt, babe. So anyway, <laughs> that's that. Let's move it right along to a much brighter note, which is basically, yes, yes. This is like, Oh, 
Connor, <laughs> Ben, outstanding performance. What's up? What's up? What's up with that? Man, Connor Ben uh, was trained by Roy Jones. Yeah. And he attempted to really emulate Roy Jones and he respected Roy Jones and he tried so hard. And if you looked at some of his fights when he was being trained by Roy Jones, he actually had some of the same footwork, the movement, you know, all of that, uh, hands down, that type of thing. But that really wasn't what he could really do. And he calls, yeah. you know, he was, he, he looked good, but he did lose his last fight via knockout. Uh, not necessarily because of the Roy Jones style, but he, he was open for it and he was hit. Yeah. So as you know, he went ahead and employed Bo Mack, uh, Crawford's trainer, to help him. Now, Bo Mack was only with him about maybe two or three weeks, but it was more of a mind reset for Conor Ben to be able to understand that he has a certain skill set. There's no need for him to emulate anyone else. Just do what you do. Yeah. And 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 take the mindset that that is is around the Bo Mac uh, Crawford type uh, uh, area in, in, in the training. So all of that just really took his mind to another level where he's going to be more productive. Now, in the fight, it actually showed up uh, the first rounds or so. He was very cautious because he didn't want to get hit again like that. Right. But after the fifth round, when he realized that. He can be himself. There's no need for him to emulate or use any other techniques other than the basics that he knows. He went on a tear and he dominated and he knocked and he knocked his opponent out. For him, it's just put him back to where he was. Everyone has a little slip up or a football or you had this wrong uh, 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 training procedure or game plan and yeah. you can get clipped. He got clipped, but this looks like he was never clipped. It looks like that he has a game plan and a mindset going forward. That's going to do nothing but offer him success. Wow. Yeah. Well, listen, <clears throat> congratulations to Connor Ben for an outstanding performance. And we look forward to seeing a lot more of this young man and we'll probably end up featuring him on our program and yes. um, really breaking down, you know, all his skill sets. And, you know, once we get a little bit, more of an opportunity to see this guy, uh, we'll be breaking all that down. I mean, Harold, let me ask you something. You had some news on Bomac too, right? Uh, yes, yes. Um, Bomac, the trainer, um, uh, had a, uh, a weapon uh, that he brought with him from America to the UK uh, for uh, protection. Uh, he yeah. stayed that last time he was there. Someone tried to rob him of his of his wallet. I don't oh, know if, he, if if he was robbed or it was attempted robbery. He didn't say, but he said, "On my return, I'll be ready." Now, what's ironic about this is he had the uh, the weapon and the ammunition in America, and it got by the TSA there. What he got to he got to UK, and when he arrived there, it got through there. But on his exit from UK, that's when it was found. So in my mind, TSA here in, in, in America uh, may have dropped the ball. Uh, the TSA, I don't know what's called there, the entity there, they didn't catch it only on, upon his exit. What is wow. ironic is the cops in UK don't carry guns. So they're very strict on guns there. 
He is now held in the UK uh, for 45 days until his his arraignment. So oh, he's boy. there in 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 custody there, eating their food, sleeping there, and, and dealing with it. Now he's a multimillionaire, but his money doesn't translate for him to have opportunity. They don't care about your money. You have to uh, be uh, detained until your court date comes up. Right. But I'm thinking that, you know, there's other people culpable. There's other people who are, re- are responsible for this, uh, as in why was he stopped in, in America first? So he wouldn't even get on the plane to get over here. And Conor Ben would have to fight without him, that type of thing. And why when he got into the country, they didn't catch it. But on his way out, they caught it. So uh, there is some blame to be spread around here. Um, He obviously carried that gun on several occasions on his travels. So he has a permit and this, that, and the other. I believe he just didn't do it on a whim. So he understands the situation. So we have to see how the the courts are going to, uh, there are going to deal with it couple of things about this. <clears throat> it was, it was possession in England, right? Cause he had the, the, the gun was uh, discovered in England. Right. And it was a gun. Right? On his exit mark on his exit, not his entry. Yeah. But it was in England, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I just want to make sure cause the listeners, I want to make sure they, they understand what happened here. <clears throat> the other thing is that it was at the Ma- Manchester airport and <clears throat> Harold, something to think about it's very possible <clears throat> that he had a permit from where, where was he coming from? Where did he, do you know where he flew out of? I can't say, I know, you know, he's, he's, he's stationed with Bud in Nebraska, but I believe maybe he had, a, he, he flew out of New York or I don't know. Yeah. I can't say. So, cause that's good. That's very material to the, to the conversation because I'm not sure where he flew out of, but, but here's why I'm saying that or why I'm asking the question. Because if he had, if he flew out of Nebraska, maybe their gun laws are such that he can travel, you know, there's open carry or perhaps there's, there's a gun law that says you can, you know what I mean? Like you can conceal carry. And then if that's the case, he conceal carry, took it on the plane. The plane goes up in the air. That's nowhere space, but he entered the airport that allowed that to be, I don't really know. All I'm saying is that, and then he gets there, he goes about his business, he comes back to the airport to go home and they pinch him there, right? So, I mean, it's possible that something like that occurred because I don't see how he gets through the airport TSA. I just don't see how that happens, Um, you know, unless he, I, I don't, I don't think he would have smuggled the gun is what I'm saying. I think he legitimately thought it, I'm sure there was a passage for him to take that gun to England and he thought he was good, but he wasn't. And this has happened a lot of times, even in the U S where, you know, I know Newark, New Jersey, Newark airport is notorious for that. You can have a concealed carry, blah, blah, blah. You go to the airport you got, you know, your magazine is include in inside. There's all kinds of laws and they get you. And then you, oh man, yeah. it's, it's really, it's really messy, man. They got to clean up those gun laws. 
over here too, but then over there as well. You know, I mean, gosh, I feel bad for him. So he's sitting there, but his, we go back to, he really did an excellent job with Ben. I mean, he turned him around. Yeah. He put him in a situation where the world is noticing him. Ben has nothing but big fights coming forward. And it's just a really, really great opportunity for Ben to really get splashed on the, on, on the, uh, the eyes of the boxing public yeah. with this win. So, and Bo Mack has uh, so much to do with that. They were saying during the fight that the instructions from Bo Mack were so clear. Uh, his voice was above the crowd and everyone, and it was very distinctive. And yeah. what he was uh, telling Ben to do was very clear, and Ben was performing at, you know, at, at the level of his word. So uh, he was just so instru- instrumental in the way Ben fought, uh, it was clear that Ben uh, respected and understood and actually executed everything that Bo Mack was saying. So he yeah. is really in a good situation with Bo Mack. Yeah. <clears throat> well, Harold, I just wanted to also, um, we're, round, we're rounding out an hour. We're just about done with our broadcast. And um, I wanted to take a moment um, to send my condolences to the family uh, and friends and fellow boxers, uh, of coach uh, Michael Stafford, who just recently passed away. Yes. And, um, you know, I don't know much about how he passed away, um, but I've heard this news has reverberated around the inside boxing world. Um, Coach Coach Stafford was a beloved coach, an amazing coach that took tons of fighters, tons of them, from nothing to being – world champions. He also worked with the youth, with the amateur program, took fighters to the Olympics, et cetera, et cetera. You know, this is a man that dedicated his life to boxing and to the youth and to helping people see a better way. And uh, he will be, um, he'll be sorely missed. And uh, yes, I, just he will. Wanted, I just wanted to shout out uh, the family and send my condolences out to Adrian Broner and to the, actually his whole family and the fighters that he's worked with including Adrian Broner and, you know, the list is, the list is enormous, but, um, and with that being said, Harold, I think we're just about out of time for this broadcast. So I want to thank you for being thank with you, us. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And I want to thank the listeners for tuning in and being with us on the boxing breakdown. And we will see you on the next episode of the boxing breakdown. So peace and love. Peace and love. That's right. Hit hit the like and subscribe and all that good stuff. <laughs> and we'll see you guys next time. Fight fans, join host Mark Roxy and special guests as they break down all aspects of the boxing world, including news, business, management, training, promotions, fan reactions, upcoming events, matchups, future boxing stars, title fights, state of the boxing world, and all the stuff you don't see when you watch boxing. This podcast is released each week on Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Live streamed on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook Live. It's the Boxing Breakdown, hosted by Mark Roxy. Peace and love. (laughs) 